Today, I'm sitting down with my friend, Corey White. We go way back, Corey. Too far back. So far back that we can't even remember how far back it actually is. No, but uh, Corey, I want to sit down with Corey for three reasons. One, just to share a story. Uh, two, to learn from him just around the work that he does. And th- the third thing is I have been able to watch Corey entrench himself into communities. And I feel like these the, the way that he's went about doing it has allowed for him to blossom in many different ways. So, Corey, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, and I love what you guys are doing with the exchange. It's very cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative that you asked me on the show, and I'm, I'm honored and humbled to be here. Yeah, well, I'm honored and humbled to, to have you here. One of the things that you, I'm sure you'll share is like, you are a TEDx speaker. That's right. I, it's, it goes to the top of the bio. <laughs> Man, it goes straight to the bio. That's like it, yeah. now, you're world renowned on, on the obituary. It's going to be the first line. <laughs> <laughs> also, forty under forty. That's right. Journal record forty yeah. under forty. Achievers under forty for the journal record. Achievers so. under forty. Yeah, I just recently had that banquet, and that was a lot of fun. Very uh, was very honored to 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 win that award as well. So very cool and. In a, in a great group of people, I'm in, I'm in a great class of people. So I'm probably probably I'm I'm pitching above my or I'm hitting above yeah, my pitching you're bidding, or whatever. Yes, like, yeah, yes. jumping ahead of my skis. No, it, hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, talking about these two things, TEDx speaker, achiever uh, under forty, right? A journal record. When you were a kid, what would your help? What what? Let's say like elementary age, eight, nine, seven years old in there. What would you have said your family, what would your family, how would your family describe you? They would do, in elementary school, uh, I was, I was kind of a geek. I was a nerd. I was, uh, I, I wasn't great at sports. I had, in elementary school, I had these big, thick classes. So like, I've got like plus, like a very farsighted and farsighted people, you know, you have those big, thick glasses. I think uh, one of your sons deal with that as well. And yeah. so it's you. You know, I'm the kid with the peanut butter all over my face because I eat snot coming out of my nose. Uh, you know, so I was very, very uncool and just kind of a dork and a geek. Um, but, and, you know, I've, I've slightly improved since then. You know, just slightly. <laughs> just slightly. slightly. I got contacts, so that was, that was a good thing. What, what were some of your favorite things to do when you were a kid? Oh, I liked, uh, I liked sports. I liked reading. Um, I did, you know, I, I wasn't great at sports, but I enjoyed playing sports with my friends. Um, you know, there was baseball. We'd... You know, we play uh, street hockey. You know, we had uh, skates and roller skates, and uh, you know, playing just just playing outside with friends. Uh, movies. I've always been a huge movie fan. Love movies. Um, you know, if as a kid, you know, I'd probably much prefer, uh, or as an adult too, much prefer watching a movie than I would playing a video game, which I know is kind of strange for a kid. Oh, so you you're saying that you were more. Along the lines of man, let's just watch a movie. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If we were hanging out with friends, I'd probably. Like, what, what were some of your favorite movies then? Oh, uh, when time? I was at elementary school. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I liked. You know, I mean, obviously the Disney, but like, like Ghostbusters. Loved Ghostbusters. Gotcha. Loved Back to the Future. Um, you know, and things like uh, you know Robin Hood was at that time the Kevin Costner flick. Uh, so movies like that. I, I mean, I was I would watch Ghostbusters and Back to the Future on repeat. I'm sure. And the the original Batman. They had they made a movie with Adam West and Burt Ward. You know the the old school Batman, the yeah. pow bang zing. You know with the I you know and the penguin uh, Burgess yes. Meredith or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They made a movie and that was I, that thing was always on repeat. I was always watching that. That was your jam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Batman. I loved. I love Batman. So, 
middle school what was middle school Corey like like was there some middle, transition it, it, it was it, it was that it was elementary school Corey with more zits <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was there anything that you remember about elementary I mean about middle school that that probably spoke to you like maturing in some way was did your did your uh did your hobbies change did you start liking different uh, stuff yeah I mean obviously you're you're you start getting testosterone. You start you start feeling out. Uh, you know you start you know maybe you you start desiring things you didn't really yeah, as an you. elementary school student. Yeah. So you know obviously middle school is such an awkward phase because you begin to look at yourself in the mirror and you begin to notice those blemishes and I, I mean that's when you start getting acne. So it's almost physically, physically and metaphorically you start noticing your blemishes and as an elementary school you could care less what you look like but in middle school you start to see yourself through the eyes of other people and it is hard because we're all I mean I was you know very few of us are cool as middle schoolers uh, I certainly was not definitely most definitely um, but you know I mean so again I joke but it was kind of like elementary school but um, you know just a little older and a little more hair on my chest but <laughs> the uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I liked, I did like sports. Um, I, I started, you know, writing, uh, started liking writing and stuff and being more creative. Uh, and yeah, just again, hanging out with friends, just to enjoy it. I've always been a, a pretty social person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but hanging out with friends, but I, I, you know, you could also be sometimes I'm a, I could be an introvert too, which would be the kid who would, you know, sit in the library during recess and read a book, you know, which is pretty awkward, but I, I would do that at times, uh, yeah. you know, uh, when I was in middle school as well. So we, we, we'll, we we'll move you all the way up. You kind of leave in middle school. You're now getting ready to graduate. Uh, you've experienced high school. Now you got to decide on going to college or what, or whatever you were going to do next. What, what was next for you after high school? And tell us about some of those decisions and what that looked like and how you based on those decisions uh you know i was graduated in inglewood colorado the largest high school in, in the state of colorado at the time cherry creek um we were we were the rich kid school it was the one that uh, you know the creators of south park would make fun of for how rich we are i mean they devoted an entire episode around uh, how 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 uh you know privileged our our kids in our high are school are you serious were. yeah no you go hey, yeah south park they made fun of us so I went. I went to great school, but I had a great time there. Um, I did do journalism in high school. I was wrote for the school paper. I was a, like a third string or fourth string defensive back. Uh, but we had a great you know football program. But I definitely rode the bench. But I was you know I was the guy. I, I was the first person in when they needed us. You know a, a scrub. If they needed a scrub to get hit, I was the guy. Who you were the guy, the yeah, because that was me. I was. I had. I had a lot of good work ethic. I just did not have the talent, uh, you know, to be a very good football player. And my mom would also say that I. I detested hitting, which <laughs> is not good for football if you detest getting hit or hitting. Yeah, that um, is not. But I after uh, I, I you know I went to got into the University of Colorado at Boulder, and I've always been a CU Buffs fan. I was a lifelong Colorado Buffaloes fan. So to me, it was an easy decision once I got in there. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I think I wanted to get into journalism, um, and, but it was, would I want to do print or uh, broadcast? And I went, I was thinking print, but I went to a, a club where we put on a, a sports show every week. It was called uh, CU, oh man, Sports Mag, CU Sports Mag. And every week, and the kids would, you know, we'd all put on the show, we'd all do everything. And so I was doing that for a couple of weeks, and, 
you know, one day they reached out to me and they said, okay, Corey, this week you're going to anchor. I was like, okay. And you will have never, when I was on that anchor desk for the first time, I'm red now. You can't imagine how red I am. And, and people can't see me, but I'm, I've got this ginger quality to it. Yes. But, you know, so I was a tomato. But it was the biggest thrill, one of the biggest thrills of my life, getting to do that. And so after that, it was like, okay, I'm going to be a sports journalist. I'm going to go get into sports broadcasting, uh, television sports. And I just dived into that, uh, doing as much as I could, doing internships, doing CU Sports Bag, uh, interning for some of the local TV stations in, in Denver. And uh, when I got out, I was uh, I got a job as a, a the TV, the ABC affiliate in Casper, Wyoming, as their sports director. Uh, well, I was there two years and became the sports director, but I was a sports anchor and a reporter. Great community, small market television news is a trip. I could tell you stories after stories. You know, you're 21 years old, you get dive bombed into a community, you know nobody. And all around you are in the TV stations are other 21-year-olds who also know nobody in the community. So you just naturally come together, and you're you, it's almost like a little fraternity or sorority or even though y'all were y'all were from different stations. Yeah, we're all from different. Yeah, we're all different. Yeah, you know, we all just they just you get a job and you go. You know, yeah. you get a job wherever you can when you're in TV. Uh, so I did that four years, and you know, it, it, television is an industry right now as we all know in journalism in general that is just going through the spin cycle is what is that going to look like yeah. you know what is going to be the future of of small market tv uh what is going to be the future of small market print of like uh, a you know a, a state newspaper or a city newspaper those things are fading away but there's a void there and it needs to be filled uh it must be filled because we need people we need journalists who are covering their communities. We need people who are going to school board meetings, who are going to town halls and covering the politicians because we cannot let the politicians get away with, you know, swindling money, uh, you know, take, taking appropriations. I mean, that's the type of stuff uh, regular Joes aren't going to be looking out for, aren't going to be policing. So we need people policing that, and that's what our journalists do. Yeah. It's like the fourth rail of democracy. And right now the fourth rail is is kind of starting to crack, and, and that is a danger to our democracy. And so we, we need to – uh, over the next 10 years, it's going to be how do we fix that? How do we repair that? Because we're already seeing right now when you see the things about disinformation and people sharing fake news and the divisiveness – in in our country right now a lot of that has to do because of the erosion of traditional journalism wow yeah i never thought about it like that mm. and, and that and that being the one of the reasons that we need to continue to have that type of journalism happening is in order to kind of protect us from people being able to say whatever they want and then coming back and not doing any of the things they they said is that yeah, kind of what you're saying? Politicians yeah, and stuff. As, yeah, as politicians, yeah, and, and things just, like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it'd be corporations polluting water, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I mean, who's gonna you know, who's gonna watch out for that? Yeah, who when 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 a group of people are getting cancer in a in a community, who's you know who's gonna tell that story? Uh, eventually, we need that, and and we're gonna have to go to a model of you know, uh, it's gonna be nonprofits. Uh, you know, people are going to 
say, I care about this issue, so I'm going to pay money you know, for you to, uh, I care about criminal justice reform, so I want you to cover criminal justice reform. I'll give you some money, and you go out and you do great stories on criminal justice reform, or uh, it'll be uh, governments. We're going to need to subsidize these, uh, you know, these, these papers, because in the past, they were able to make money, you know, through, uh, through, you know, through, I would pay 50 cents, I'd get a, I'd get a newspaper, I'd pay a subscription, uh, you know, uh, you know, $40 a month or whatever it is, or for a couple of months, and 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 they would make money that way today. That's just it, it, it's unsustainable. They're not going to be able to make money that way. So we have to subsidize them, and that's by understanding the importance of having good local journalism, and then understanding that that is important enough that we as taxpayers go out and say we're going to subsidize this. You know, much like in uh, we do with uh, public broadcasting today here in the states, or even you know in Europe, you have things like the BBC. Um, you know, it, it's funded by the government, but the government has no say in the content. So if I'm I, if I'm a politician, I say, well, I'm funding you, so you can't run a critical story on me. No, we fund you, and then we back off, and you just you do your reporting, and you are you're a separate. But we but we do as you know as taxpayers subsidize you. Got you, got you. So after journalism, like because it sounds like you're pretty passionate about journalism, you were there. You end up transitioning out of that at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I got out of it, and uh, I was kind of drifting. I didn't know what I was going to do. And again, this was two, 2008, so it was right around uh, the recession. It was a really tough time. It was a challenging time for everyone. It was a challenging time uh, you know, for me because I, I didn't make much money in, in local journalism. I, I won't tell you my salary, but <laughs> I, think, I think it would, uh, I, I, you, it would open some eyeballs uh, if I told you my starting salary coming out. But uh, you know, so I moved back with my parents in, in, in Texas. And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, so I was down there four years, but a buddy of mine who has worked with me at the TV station in Casper, he was a news anchor. Uh, he had started at a company here in Oklahoma called Future Point of View. He stayed in touch. He knew I was drifting. I didn't know what I was going to do, and I was struggling. And you know, he 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 kept. He said, "Corey, this is a great company. Uh, you would flourish up here. The minute we get an opening, I'm going to get you up here, and uh, and you're going to thrive." And he, he he, you know, he was true to his word. Uh, you know, when we had an opening, uh, he. He reached out to Annette, who's now my boss, and Scott, and said, "Hey, uh, you know, look at this guy. This guy would be great here." And and they they hired me. Well, and how long ago was that? That was about six years ago. I think it's wow. been close to six years. Yeah. So I've known you almost your entire time you've been here. Oh yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I yeah. was. Uh, you know, we for listeners, you know, Hetty is the uh, pastor at North Church Guthrie as well, and he so. Scott and Annette, um, you know, invited me to North Church in Oklahoma City, and that's where I live. And a, a couple of weeks after me going to North Church, Oklahoma City, they go, "Oh, Corey, by the way, we're starting this, uh, we're starting this church plant in Guthrie, and you're going to help out." And I was like, "Where is Guthrie? Because <laughs> I'm not from I'm from Denver. I don't know. I don't know. Where, where is Guthrie? I don't look at my phone. I was like, Wait, now, no to, way. To to uh, to be clear, this is Scott and Annette saying Scott, this to you. Yeah, they like, well, hey, they told, yeah, 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 they said it's we're not it's not the church. No, like, no, telling no, him where them. he's going. And, yeah. and I mean, I I kid. I tell that story, and I like to give. Uh, you pastor grief because of H- Hetty. I should call Hetty. I give Hetty grief because I live about three minutes away from the, uh, the other local city campus. <laughs> so I drive up here. Uh, so I got to give grief every once in a while. We but, love it. We but love the, you, Corey. Uh, yeah, we love I mean, you. North Church Guthrie has 
impacted my life in profound ways. I love the people here. There's a reason why I keep coming. Yeah. I, there's, you're not, you know, I joke that you wouldn't let me leave, but I, <laughs> if, if I really wanted to, I For would sure. leave. But I, the reason I keep coming is because I love the people. I love you. I love Bernadette. I love your family. Yeah. Uh, I love the people. And I just, I feel a, a part of this community. And I know that I'm... I am a, a benefit to the church as well, yeah. and I think I can benefit North Church Guthrie in ways that I necessarily couldn't benefit uh, North Church at Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, we love you, and we're thankful for you. No, so so you make that transition here. You're at Future Point of View. Tell us about the work you do there. Future Point of View is a digital consulting firm. So what we do is we help organizations use technology uh, to benefit their customers uh, to ben- to make themselves stronger, to gain market share, uh, you know, to to make to strengthen, so they can be more competitive and and handle this what we call the digital transformation, this digital disruption that we've seen and we've seen uh, accelerated uh, through remote work and, and a pandemic. But we also our other side is that we we educate leaders on on how do you use technology to to strengthen your organizations? How do you become a high beam leader looking out three to five years as a leader and saying here are the things that are going to disrupt my industry that is going to disrupt my organization how do i anticipate those how do i prepare for them and then how do i use them to gain market share and to be stronger than my competition nice so now, before you came here, you, you had no clue about any of this. I could use a laptop. <laughs> I could open up Google. I, I could open up Google, but yeah, no, no, I am not a technologist. I do not have a, a software uh, development coding background. That was all foreign to me. I was a journalist. But the one thing that journalism trains you on is, and one of the great things about being a journalism person or going to school for journalism is that you were you were you need to learn. As a journalist, you that is your job, is to learn. I go into a story, I figure out that story, figure out what's going on, and then I go and I tell that story. And, and, and so that can transition to any job because all I got to do is now I go, I need to learn this industry. I need to learn technology. I need to learn this. So I just go in and I just dive into as much as I can and I learn. And that's why I tell or we tell young leaders and old leaders, the how, how critical it is to be a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. to always be learning and don't get complacent where you are. And because also today with disruption, uh, with technology, more and more these, these tools are going to come at you so fast. And you have to constantly be learning how to use these new tools. And as we get older, we become more prone to just be like, I don't want to learn it. It's not something I want to learn, but you have to learn to stay competitive as a, as a leader and as a person, yeah, as, as as just a just a person alive yeah. right now. Because pretty much all we do is everything. Technology touches everything. Digital tools touches every part of our lives. Now you continue to use the word leader, meaning hey, if you want to continue to be a great leader, you got to continue to be able to be a lifelong learner, so you can operate in this space. Because technology continues to come. Define what you mean by a leader. Who's a leader? I think everyone's a leader. Uh, you know, wherever you are, you're a leader. Um, you you can be a, a leader in your space wherever you're at. If you're at you know you're home. If you're at home, you may be a leader in your home. I 
for in a mind-boggling way, I'm a leader at North Church Guthrie. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that happened, but it happened. You uh, are a leader in more ways than one, my friend. Uh, yes. You know, I'm a leader in the community. Uh, whatever space you're in, wherever you touch, wherever you have influence, that is where you're a leader. Yeah. Uh, and it could be something as small as your home, where it's just two or three people or four people, or it could be something as you know, right size as a church, or maybe it's a whole city. Yeah. But wherever that is, you, you're a leader and you, you have influence. It's, yeah. Essentially, it's wherever you have influence. And, and with that, though, you're saying, hey, technology is going to be a, a, a big part of your life moving forward, continue to learn it, and you all provide mm-hmm. that opportunity for people to learn it in all sorts of ways. Yeah, we have a, we have a thing called Rivers of Information, uh, which is just it's building a feed of information. How do you build a, a feed so that you can easily learn quickly a, a, a new topic, whatever that is? For me, let's say I, when I started at, at Future Point of View after getting my feet on the ground, I, I decided I really was kind of into cybersecurity. And so I just said, I'm going to learn everything I can about cybersecurity. So I, I started getting newsletters and podcasts and reading books and, and getting into my feeds and whatever articles I would, I would read on cybersecurity. So it's just making sure you have a good feed of information and knowing what's coming through and knowing that it's good content. It's like filling your body. You want to fill your body with good stuff. You can... All, a lot of us, and we all do it. We all fill ourselves up with fast food, junk food, and that's you know the. And when we're sitting on the, the the you know the porcelain thing, and and we're and we're it's true, you know we're we're going through Facebook or TikTok, you know that's junk food. Yeah. But uh, but good food, eating vegetables, is going out and having a good river of information where you can read good solid content, and it's knowing. That, that where your content is coming from and know that's valuable content. So as a leader, just always be learning and, and, and making sure you know what topics. So it might be some stuff in your industry, but you're going to want to put technology in there as well. And you're going to want to put things on leadership, on, on growth and, and how to grow and how to be a better leader. So those are all important things to put in that river. And you know, if you reach out to me, I can, I can give you tools on how to build a good rivers of information. I'm sure we'll talk about later in the, in the program uh, about you know, ways you can get in touch with me. Yeah. Um, so you've been a future point of view. You're in a new city. Um, you, you, you've been a part of a church. Talk to me about what drove you to start being a part of other communities or, or being more active in your, in your city and in different communities and what that has meant to you. I'll, I'll say this. I've not always been community-minded. Um, when I was in Casper doing the TV thing, I was in the community because I was on TV. So people knew me, you know, people came out, uh, you know, I mean, I'm saying I was famous, but, you know, I was uh, because I was kind of a, a, a person of recognition in that community. You were a public figure. But uh, yeah, but I, I didn't actively go out and be a part of the community. I was, I would go to work, I'd go to the gym and I'd sit at home and watch TV. That was my life. And, and when I, and then in, when I got to, to Oklahoma at Future Point of View, Scott and Annette Klazowski, my bosses, are, are very community-minded. They are very focused on ensuring that they leave their community better than they found it. Mm. And Annette, specifically, has always pushed me uh, to be a part of, of the community. So she's a great networker. She, she's 
just such a bubbly person. She knows everybody. She's a part of everything. And so she essentially said, hey, come be a part of this. Come be a part of that. So I, you know, I initially got into Salt and Light Leadership Training, which is a, a faith-based uh, leadership training program for young leaders in Oklahoma City. Did that. You know, and then got involved in Stronger Together. We could talk more about each of these things, but Stronger Together. And then did Loyal. She got me into Loyal, which is another leadership thing. Through Loyal, I got on to uh, you know, uh, the Oklahoma Messages Project and, uh, and a chance to change as well. And so it, it's, it's just about saying yes. And a, somewhere along the way, I just decided to say yes. I decided that to, it, instead of saying no, I'm going to say yes. And the truth is my life is richer because I said yes. And... Well, in saying yes to to being a part of these things, what makes it richer? Like, can you give some specific things that, like, because I'm a part? Because I think stronger together, loyal, salt, all these different things have one thing in common. It's a group of people, kind of working together towards something. Yeah. Right. And you said, "Hey, I'm going to come be a part of growing as a leader. I'm going to become a part of being uh, a part of." Building a bridge concerning ethnicity, things of that nature, or I'm gonna come and be a part of X, Y, Z, whatever. But in these things, it's all about being in a community around these specific things, which have allowed for your life to be richer. But why? Well, number one, it's it's experiences. Yeah, I'm going to my life is going to be richer because I'm going to gain a lot more. If I'm out in the community serving, than I am if I'm sitting on my couch watching TV. I'll tell you, I like sitting on my couch and watching TV. <laughs> I like it a lot. I'm a big fan of that. You know, but what I've learned is that in doing that, I don't, I don't get as much rich experiences. I don't meet as many people. I don't gain a broader network. And when I say yes to something... If I do a good job, somebody else is going to ask me to do something, mm. and then somebody else, and and then your those experiences grow and grow, and all of the great things in my life have come out of those that that network of people who look at me and go, "Hey, he can do that. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do that." You know, it, it, and this isn't a, a faith based podcast, but how do we talk about it? That you know, the, when when you are gifted something by whatever you want to say, if God, the creator, when you are gifted something and you do well with that, you're going to get more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works in life, too. It works in life. When you are a steward of something and you people see that you are a good steward of that thing, they will give you more of that thing. You know, if you're a banker and, and you double somebody's money, he's going to give you more yeah. money, right? Yeah. So is, if people see that you're a good steward and do a good job, they're going to give you more opportunities. And and it is. It's all about your community, your network, your who you know. All of the great things in my life, I'm here because of, of a former friend, because mm-hmm. I maintained a relationship with a, a guy I worked with in Casper, Wyoming. And if I hadn't maintained that relationship, I wouldn't be here right now. So all of the great things in my life have come from the people that I know and from the people that I've touched. And I don't touch those people. I don't make partnerships with the people. I don't become brothers with that those people when I'm sitting at home and watching TV. 
Yeah. You, you talked about community, just the way that, that I heard you say this. Community helps you gain credibility, meaning that you said, hey, I came to be a part of this, this community. I took on I took on responsibility once I was in the community. People saw me taking on this responsibility, which then gave you credibility. Mm-hmm. And now some now these people can be like, hey, I can vouch for Corey because I've seen him gain the work. And the only way that you can do those type of things is definitely being a part of a community of people. I'll give you this example. You talked about my TEDx talk earlier. We talked a little bit about it. And the, t- the talk was on algorithmic bias, which we don't I won't go into the details of it, but it's bias in the algorithms that are running our technology today at a basic level. Give a quick example. So, so uh, an example of algorithmic bias yeah. um, might be, uh, let's say in, in predictive policing, we'll give you just one example. This is one of many examples, but so it, uh, police departments are using what we call predictive policing to decide where to send resources. Well, this this these algorithms are 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 run on data so they're using historical data to decide on where to send resources well the the algorithm doesn't understand that historically police have policed certain communities more than they have other communities therefore these communities that's where they see the crime therefore that's where they make arrests therefore that's where they send more resources therefore that's where they make more arrests and the algorithm is just inheriting that bias of uh, of over policing in marginalized communities, and then it's building on that bias. Therefore, it's reinforcing this over policing in marginalized communities. And but it's also giving a tech shine to it. And then people go, "Oh, well, it's the algorithm is you know it, it's just ones and zeros. It doesn't really have a bias. No, it does have a bias because it is inherited." Are existing human biases. So that's one example of, 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 of bias and algorithms and how they come, uh, whether it be bad data or, or just that they've, they've picked up biases that we have. Uh, maybe it's uh, biases that say that, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Is, is valuable for his work in the Avengers, and yet Scarlett Johansson, who's also in the Avengers, is valuable because she we find her really attractive. Mm-hmm. Those are biases that exist in our in our society today. They don't have a place today, that, uh, but they still exist. And then technology can take those and and build on those. Like for instance, when you search Robert Downey Jr. versus when you search Scarlett Johansson on Google, you get what you see. You're going to see a lot with Robert Downey Jr. about his work, and with Scarlett Johansson, you're going to see a lot about. Her looks, her dress, her you know, her makeup, and things of that nature. So that was my TEDx talk. But to get when I was four or five years ago, I was working on the Bridge Conference, which is Stronger Together. This is one of the first nonprofits I got involved in, and Stronger Together is run by Clarence Hill, and and he's essentially the the Bridge is a conference. It's designed to put people in a room of different races and different socioeconomic statuses, maybe people of different political ideologies, and allow them to have a civil conversation, and allow them to to get a chance to meet each other and to understand that you know we have a lot more similarities than we do differences, even though even though we see the differences much more starkly than we do the similarities. Well, I was you know a couple of years ago I was doing the conference up and out. And I was reading in my feed all this stuff about bias and algorithms. And I was like, you know, 
that would make an interesting presentation for the bridge conference. So I went in and I just dug into it. I mean, I clawed, started digging in that dirt, just learning everything I could about bias and algorithms. So I give the, I give the talk. Somebody sees me give the talk at the bridge, recommends me for uh, a, a, another inclusion and diversity or uh, um, seminar. I give it there and somebody sees me give it there and recommends me for TEDx. I'm on TEDx because I took a chance uh, and, and decided to help out on the bridge. So that that is just a perfect example, I yep. think, of, of how you can start something and not see where it's going to go. Yeah. I had no idea that was going to end up in yeah. a TEDx talk. No idea. Yeah. I couldn't in my wildest dreams have imagined that. But, but I, I, it was an interesting thing to me, and I went out and I served because I decided that uh, racial equality or, or social equality is something that's important to me. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, another thing that you said was people help you gain experiences. Mm-hmm. I think even even listening to you now talking about how you got f- from doing this speaking engagement to the next, to the next, to the next, that's people pushing you out. Now you've had this TEDx experience, which has been super awesome for your life, mm-hmm. has made it that much richer. But imagine not being in a community and where your your experiences aren't, quite as rich because people weren't there to push you forward exactly exactly it's your network i mean it's it it is the people you know because they they those are the people who are going to push you forward Mm -hmm. and that's that's it you know you can you could be the best at something in the world but you know if nobody recognizes that it's not going to get you anywhere yeah talk to us about because one of the things as entrepreneur as a creative in your approach to trying to learn to do whatever that work is better, um, it does take this ability to do research or you just call digging in the dirt or whatever. Give some practical ways that you can dig in the dirt and do research. I, I think, I mean, the internet is a great resource. Um, like I said, that rivers of information. If you want to become an expert on something. So I'll, I'll give an example. I, uh, I had to give a speech on data, data privacy. For, uh, for the Oklahoma Commerce Department here. It was several years ago. And so the speech, it was a colleague of mine was going to do it. He had uh, something come up. He had, so he, he's like, can you do this speech? I know nothing about data privacy. I know nothing. GDPR? What is GDPR? <laughs> yeah, what is GDPR? <laughs> Help us yeah. know what GDPR is. Well, you're, you're going to. If you don't, if you're, a, if you're an entrepreneur and you own a business, you probably know what GDPR is, but obviously it's the European Data Privacy Act. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, but I love speaking. Uh, so I'm going to do this. I'm not. If, if you give me a chance to be in front of an audience, I'm going to take it. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I'm going to figure it out because I love being in front of an audience. That's uh, that just, I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do. And so I just went in. I, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my podcasts and I'm going to find every podcast there is that says GDPR. And I'm just going to nonstop listen to GDPR podcasts for the next two months. Uh, you know, that's all I'm going to listen to. I'm going to be at the gym. I'm going to be cooking. I'm going to be, uh, you know, running. I'm going to be mowing my lawn. I'm going to be listening to GDPR and data privacy podcasts. Within two months, I was a pretty good expert. And I went in there and and I went in there and I sounded pretty intelligent. Yeah. And, and that was just by 
by going in and just deciding that is something I want to become an expert in and going in and doing it. You can become an expert in anything if you set your mind to it. So you so you just gave one practical way of getting better at, at something, yeah. right? You said essentially what you did was I, I need to get better at X. And in order to do that, I went and researched or searched mm-hmm. podcasts that had this particular word in it and then just began to listen to hours and hours mm-hmm up on podcasts talking about this particular and, yes and I, I love podcasts yeah I, I'm, I'm a big reader too but the the nice thing about podcasts is that you can do it you can do it when you're driving mm-hmm. or you can do it mm-hmm. you can listen to it when you're driving you can listen to it when you're at the gym or mowing the lawn whatever you're doing it, it just you're you can constantly be learning uh, with whatever you're doing and to me that is that is phenomenal and it is such a valuable thing for us to have. To have that ability to be constantly learning while we're doing other things, that is so cool. And, and a lot of it, and I do it, I wasted years of my life listening to, you know, country music on the radio and so, while I'm driving to work <laughs> instead of listening to podcasts or audio books. But why waste that time? Yeah. L- learn. Get, get an opportunity to become an expert in whatever you want to be an expert in. Yeah. Because you can do it. Because you can, you can go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is, and you can search something, whatever it is, somebody's done a podcast yeah. on it. I guarantee it. Yeah. Somebody has done a podcast on that topic, probably two or three, and, and just go and listen. And to me, but I, I, it, the internet, too, is a great resource. Making sure you have good newsletters. So I, I'm in cybersecurity. I make sure I've, I've got the, the CyberWire. It's a great newsletter. It comes to my feed every day, and it's just a great feed of all the info going on in cybersecurity from that day, and then they have a podcast. So I try and listen to their podcast every day as well, and it just keeps me up to date on what's going on in cybersecurity so I can, I can sound smart. So when I, when I meet the governor and shake his hand at a cybersecurity bill signing, and he comes out of nowhere to ask me a question, I don't go, uh, 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 I actually have an intelligent answer for him. Because you've heard so much, yeah, yeah, content yeah. around this particular subject. Mm-hmm. Now you're being, you're able to communicate something that you've heard and learned over a period of so many hours. And I love that you said a matter of months. But it wasn't like, man, I learned it all in one week. It yeah. was like I listened for months to as many different podcasts, and that that could have that could have built up to I don't know how many hours that was, right? Yeah. But it's a lot of hours that. You were able to listen in on that. So you gave two ways that you uh, you went about learning and became an expert on cybersecurity. You talked about podcasts. You talked about newsletters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, you, you probably found both of these things probably just from going to Google and just doing a word search, right? Yeah, or, you can. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a good way to do it. Or listen to uh, you know experts in the field. Uh, go, you know, I mean, for us, we've got a great – list of of uh, uh, of podcasts and, and newsletters in technology and different technology topics whether that be machine intelligence whether that be cybersecurity, whether that be technology and leadership i mean reach out to me if if you're interested in those topics and we'll get you great resources but yeah it's it's going to find influencers in that space that you want to you want to learn from and see what they're listening to see what they're reading and then yeah go to google and 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 just Google that, see what's out there, and and you 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 always want to be constantly refining your river. You know, so if if something's getting stale, don't listen to it anymore. You know, just you know, I, you know, I've I've listened to this podcast, and you know, and but I, it's just not 
it's not giving me the info that it used to. I'm not getting as much out of it as I, I used to. Well, then jettison it and find something else. Yeah. But you need to be constantly refining that so it's always getting better and better and better. And the newsletters you're reading are always better and better. The, the magazines you're reading, maybe the newspapers. And it, you know, it, it make sure you're you, a diverse amount of content, too. I mean, you... I, I listen to uh, things from news podcasts to technology podcasts to things like This American Life, like great storytelling podcasts. Uh, you know, so you want to be diverse too. You don't necessarily just want to be one sided and always listen to that one thing uh, because then you get into you get tunnel vision. Yeah. Also, being in community like you have and drinking just jumping right in diving deep into being a community you just from the different people because people oftentimes learn differently so just being able to ask those people within your community too has probably been a great way for you to learn yeah on, yeah on, on various topics mm -hmm. and listening listening yeah. and i'm not always the best listener i'm yeah I, I you know a lot of times i'll be talking to somebody and i'll realize i'm thinking about something and i have no idea what they choose <laughs> so i'm certainly not I, i'm certainly guilty of that but but i you know you can learn so much from people uh by just by just listening to yeah. them and listening to their experience and listening to their story yeah that's good. That's good. Corey, you've mentioned a few times people can reach out to you. Where do they reach out to you at? Uh, a couple of different ways. I I do have a website, CoreyPatrickWhite.com. So it's just by name.com, C-O-R-E-Y, PatrickWhite.com. You can uh, you know learn a little bit more about what I do, and you can also connect with me there. Uh, if you want to learn more about our company, Future Point of View, it's F-P-O-V.com, FuturePointOfView.com, F-P-O-V, and there. Uh, you can learn about what we do, uh, and you can connect with me there. And I'll, you know, I can be happy to send you resources, like we talked about with uh, the Rivers of Information or High Beam Leader. Uh, you know, these are free. These are things I can send you. I'm not trying to do a sales pitch here, but because we want you to be able to grow in your leadership. Uh, and then I'm on all the socials, you know, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that. Got it. Man, Corey, I so appreciate, man, this is uh, some good information. Yeah, no, this has been fun, Hetty. Thank you. And, you know, I, getting to joust with the great Hetty Coleman. So <laughs> no, I think you definitely surpassed me. And so I'm so appreciative that you're willing to come and just share because you've put in a lot of work, you know, like listening to you, just how you were able to get to this place has been a lot of you being intentional about your own personal growth. And so, I mean, that's inspiring to hear. And so, and it's and it's been an honor for me to be able to get it first a firsthand watch of your story play out and the journey that you've been on. Where I feel like that's where the story really happens is in that journey, the steps that you take each and every day and being intentional. And so, it's been really cool to watch. I, I'm just trying to hashtag go win. Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you got it. You've got it. You got it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hey, uh, Corey, we will have those uh, links in the show notes as well. Please reach out to Corey. Uh, great resource. Great person to have as a friend. And, uh, and as you can hear, uh, he has plenty of experience doing a, a few different things. And so uh, he is a, a person that you want to have in your Rolodex, somebody that you can reach out to uh, to help you go in. So thank you again. Thank you again for hitting that play button. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go in. Nice. Thank you, friend. You're welcome.
thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, we finally got this. <laughs> Here, we, I may be able to just give you your. Oh, dude, don't keep keep it. Uh, well, no. Uh, if if, 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 this, if this if this worked out right, okay. If it did, 